Good morning, everyone. We find ourselves closing out the book of Genesis today, Genesis chapter 50. And in this chapter, um, they embalm Jacob and take him to the cave at Machpelah, which he wanted them to take his bones up to that cave where Abraham and Isaac were also buried. And it was quite a production um, to bury him there. And Pharaoh allowed Joseph to go with a horde of people to lament and acknowledge the death and burial and life of Jacob. When he gets back from doing that, uh, his brothers were still concerned about Joseph and what they had done to him in the past. And maybe now Joseph's feelings towards them would change. And it seems that they even maybe they made a deception again and, and said to tell Joseph that Jacob said to them to tell Joseph to forgive them. And I don't know what Joseph thought of that, if he thought it was sincere or not. But when they heard the report that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Jacob, you know, supposedly said, hey, Joseph, make sure you forgive your brothers even after I'm gone. And it says, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Verse 17, and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. It's interesting, you know, that what was his weeping about? You know, it. I, I think there was great pain in being abandoned by his brothers uh, many years earlier, um, being taken to Egypt as a slave, um, just having those closest to him lie about him, almost kill him. And, you know, that's, that's going to leave a mark. It's going to always be something that you... You're not going to forget it. And it, it does hurt when bad things happen in life. And this was one of them. So then some really special words. But then Joseph says, Then his brothers also came and fell before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for Am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. And what amazing wisdom by Joseph and you know when I when I see his forgiveness and his wisdom and his trust that God was involved in it all it really makes me think of Romans 8:28 that you know all things will work together to the good to those who love God and are called to his purpose and one of the things that I find comfort in is that that doesn't mean all things are good in fact some things are evil and bad but yet when we love God and when we seek him even good can come from something bad. And, you know, you see Joseph echo that here because he doesn't make it sound like it was good. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me. I mean, like what you were trying to do was evil. It wasn't good. It was actually an evil thing what you did. 
but God meant it for good. So God brought good even out of your evil to bring about this present result. And what was that present result? The fact that Jacob's family, who was promised to be multiply and to have as many family as the stars are in the sky, and they were 70 in total at this point or when they came to Egypt, and they would have died off in the famine if it wasn't for how, how this all happened. So this was in order to to save Israel and for God to really fulfill his promise to bless Israel. And Joseph had the wisdom, Joseph had the wisdom to know that God was involved in all that and that, that God was doing something bigger and greater. And um, that allowed him to see God's wisdom, to forgive and to handle things rightly. And, um, you know, there's so much that's really interesting about this closing chapter. So, so Joseph stays in Egypt and he tells them at the end when he's about to die, when Joseph's about to die, he says, hey, take my bones up out of here as well one day. And then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you and you shall carry my bones up from here. And actually prior to that, I, uh, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on oath to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, verse 24. So Joseph knows, you know, God is still about fulfilling his promise to our father Abraham. He's going to bring Israel out of here. You're going to get that land. But, you know, Joseph's not going to see that. He's going to die and he's hoping someone's going to remember him and, and take his bones out of there one day when when they finally do go. And this has been something that, you know, it, it really has had an impact on I me. Mean, you've heard me preach about it before, but moving forward at, for a moment to Exodus 1, which we're going to, you know, in our reading plan here, go between Old and New Testament. And it'll be great to get into the New Testament for a season. We're going to do Matthew and then we're going to get back to Exodus, but the the story goes, listen to this. The Israelites, Joseph dies, the Israelites who were 70 strong, um, maybe 75 strong with Joseph's family. Well, anyways, they're going to stay there for 350 years. They are not going to come up out of Egypt for 350 years. That's a long time to be in Egypt. So all of them are going to die. None of them, none of these people are going to see the promised land. And yet, God was faithful to them because one day, as we know, he does see to follow through on this and to honor what he said was going to happen. But remember, he said, I'm going to bless you with this land, but I'm also going to bless you that you'll be fruitful and multiply. In Exodus 1, listen to verse 6 and 7. Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation but the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. And, you know, different pharaohs died out and different pharaohs came into power and Joseph is no longer there and they're no longer getting the favor that they were when Joseph was alive and they turn into slaves. But, you know, they started 70 in number. It's estimated that... There were as many as 2 million Israelites 350 years later. 
Talk about being fruitful and multiply. So God used this to multiply his nation up to 2 million. They, they estimate that because it's, it's said that there were 600,000 men that, that were in Israel at the Exodus. And, you know, if you, they kind of multiply that out with women and children and say it was probably 2 million that came out of the Exodus and, and, you know, we're going to hear in, in weeks to come when we get back to Exodus about the Passover. But look how God has followed through on what he said he was going to do. But it took 350 years. You know, and sometimes I think what we are so focused on our lives that we tend to gauge God's um, faithfulness on what happens to me. And it's really the wrong approach. God is up to things that are so much greater and bigger. Like, for instance, whatever you believe about, you know, eschatology and, and what's and what's to come through end times. So it doesn't even matter to me at this point, whether you believe, you know, in, in a rapture before the tribulation or whether you think we're going to endure the tribulation. We, we all agree one day Jesus is coming back and he's going to be faithful to do that. Now, he... You may not see any of that. You may not see a rapture. You may not see the tribulation. You you may not see Christ's return. But he's going to come good on that. And imagine one day when that comes true. Maybe it's going to be 350 years from now. I don't know, you know how long it's going to be. But maybe some generation, future generation of your family is going to see the faithfulness of God in his return. And it's still going to be real. And it's still going to be true. And it's still going to be beautiful. So... Not always do we see the fullness of the blessing of God in our lifetime. It may happen in a future lifetime. I mean, think about like what's happening, say, in you know our church or, or your church right now. I mean, um, just this morning, okay, my daughter and uh, son-in-law now, Tyler and Abby, they left, and I got a picture of them. I put it on social media. They they left for Scottsdale just this morning, and they're going to start their new lives out there. We'll see them in. A, about a month for Christmas. But you know, who knows what's all going to happen in their lives, right? And with their kids now, because they're both believers in Jesus, you know, Lord willing, if God blesses them with children, they'll have them. And Lord willing, those children will come to know the Lord. And and maybe then they, they'll have children. And, and who knows, maybe their children's children will be Billy Graham or be a pastor or do something mighty for God's kingdom, or maybe it'll be them. You know, I I have no, we have no idea, but it'll be cool, uh, Lord willing, from heaven to be able to see what happens in future generations. You know, my my son Caleb is studying the, the Bible out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He's got about another year left, and then he'll have a Bible degree from there, and we'll see what God does with him, and you know how he may pursue ministry, or maybe have a family one day. And, you know, maybe I won't see the fullness of everything in in my life. Maybe, likely, you know, there's going to be things that happen as a result of our church or my children or even your children from our church and their future children that go on to do significant things or maybe see significant things happen in God's kingdom. And all that is the faithfulness of God, regardless of whether I see it happen or not. And I think... That's something that when I read through the entire scripture, like we're doing, and I see these gaps and pauses where, 
you know, when we go from Genesis 50 to Exodus 1, 350 years takes place. And we don't know what happens to all those people, but we do know what happens to their future generation. God was faithful and he leads them out of Egypt and leads them into the desert through Moses and then eventually into the promised land and and eventually Israel, you know, getting on top and with, you know, David and Solomon until unfortunately they forsake God and, and eventually they lose the promised land only for it to be restored to Israel in, you know, in the 1940s. So it's just an amazing story that God is writing and um, praise God, we do at times get to see God's blessing favor in our own lives. He's working in our own lives but some of the fullness of that is going to wait till our children or to some future generation. But God is still real. God is still mighty. God is still doing things. But, you know, this is why I say he doesn't have to do everything for me in my lifetime. I, I love seeing God move and bless me and be a part of my life. But I, I don't have this expectation that everything has to be done and some grand and glorious plan just in my life because God's working much bigger and mightier and much longer. He's got a much broader, longer vision than just Jay in my life. So that helps me to keep things in perspective. And, you know, biblical people experience pain and suffering and trial and death. And we're going to experience all those things in our lives as well. But God is still real. He's doing things beyond even our life or our generation. And uh, when you have that kind of a broader view, I think it gives you more sustenance, perseverance, more faith in God, and you know just can trust God through the good, the bad, through the storms, through the hills and the valleys. So, hey, what an amazing chapter we've seen uh, in in this book, Genesis chapter fifty. The Israelites are are now in Egypt and they're multiplying. And uh, we get to turn to Matthew and begin to take in Jesus. And it'll be actually good to turn to the birth narratives coming up here in Matthew chapter 1 as uh, it's almost the turning to December here. And we get to, to turn towards Christ coming, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, hallelujah. Thank you for taking in this journey with us. God and his word are good.